0: And we are back at it. Hope all is well. Um, I'm so excited for today's lesson, how Christianity causes trauma. So um, it'll be primarily from a Christian perspective, but also stepping outside um, of the perspective as a person who um, has maybe been traumatized by religion in, um, in a specific manner, though. So this will be a spiritual kind of um, trauma, this what we're talking about today um the torment of um are you saved by grace are you saved by works are you saved by grace through faith um leading unto works are you saved by works and then having faith in the works that you do as as that 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 when you do good that you do it in faith and um does that mean something as well right so um It seems to me that there is this concept in the Bible of grace and works and primarily works comes from the law of Moses. So it's not it doesn't really precede the I mean, the idea of works doesn't come before the law of Moses, because if you go back in the Bible and you look and you read the law of Moses doesn't come in until Moses. So then you understand that the stories before that there's no law of Moses, there's no Ten Commandments. All the way up until God delivers the stones to Moses and and, and and writes on the stones and 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 they break and then they have to get another uh, another set and the second set are made of sapphire um and then they're they're carried on and, and they're put inside the Ark of the Covenant and so you have in Judaism um Judaism is is a works based uh religion so um that is the foundation Traditionally, It's traditionally understood from a uh, Judaistic perspective. But even before that, um, if we go back into Abraham, it's not a works-based religion. Um, you might say circumcision in the Old Testament is uh, a works, but in reality, it's a, a sealing of a covenant. It's the seal. So um, that seal was uh, proven useful before the law of Moses came um, um, because Moses, when he was a baby, he was pulled out of the Nile. Um, where there's crocodiles, right? And so miraculously, he makes it to uh, Pharaoh's house in some way. And uh, apparently that's connected to the Nile. And so, um, and they end up finding the baby and they understand that he's a Hebrew so much so that they bring his mother to educate him. Um, they end up bringing a handmaid and I'm not sure if they knew it was his mother or not, but they knew it was a Hebrew child based on the circumcision. It has to be. That's the only contextual clue we have. Um, to understand that, so uh, the law of moses doesn 't come in, and so when when Christians really like um you know say yeah you you are saved, but you you have to do good, and if you don 't do good, then how can you say you 're saved right so that's a that 's the big conversation and this is this is torture this whole conversation seems to be torturous to people because you go between thinking that you 're forgiven of all your sins, you 're washed away and and they 're washed away in past, present, and future. And then when you fail, you get a cold reminder from maybe somebody in church or somebody in your Christian circle or if you're, um, you know, attending a, a church of some some sort and uh, uh, there's certain behaviors, you know, not to uh, bring within the four walls of the buildings, um, but you still do them outside the building. And so therefore, like, uh, it, it's a self-condemnation in that way, too, because you know what not to do, but you do it outside. But in respect, you don't do it in. Um, in volition, in will, in, in full will. You don't do it in will to to please God. You actually do it in a sense to just please people from condemning you or for yourself to avoid uh, 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 dealing with people looking at your behavior or measuring your behavior against the yardstick of the Bible. So, you know, there's a lot of denominations out there that are very, um, uh, that believe holiness is an outward thing um, and... I'm not just talking about uh specifically what I've been through because I've come from a pentecostal uh apostolic background um I come from the world first before that, so until I was sixteen, I lived in the world and i and I grew up in trauma and I grew up in the streets and poverty and suffering and and then eventually I become a christian and then as I become a christian you know um i I get embedded into this um these ideas about like you know. That um, in order to be right with God, you had to do a certain amount of good or and you had to dress a certain way and act a certain way and present yourself to the world a certain way to be considered one of, of God's children. And so that kind of seemed um, to be helpful to someone um, who was full of trauma like me at first, because, you know, you you you're not used to rules and then you get rules and. Um, And those rules help you kind of regulate your life in a way that you've never knew how to regulate it, you know, considering that I was still but a child. When I entered uh, into Christianity, I ended up preaching the word within probably within a year of being a Christian. You know, I opened the Bible and I started reading and one of my mentors gave me a Bible and it was so helpful to me and I just... Instead of like drinking and, and, and trying to drink and smoke and party and, and do crazy things like all the other um, high school kids, kids my age were doing because um, they were doing that even within the four walls of the church. They were, you know, um, um, there was times that even the ambulance was called to church, you know, and, and because of, you know, people doing that stuff at church. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, how does that happen? Right. How does how does it like in a, in a very like rules based church, you, you often find that um if you don't present the right actions that you have to learn to hide and you and you learn to hide your 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 sins you're not able to really confess them because uh what that means is that you won't be able to be kind of used by God or that it's inappropriate for you to talk about God and this is kind of all done in silence you know and, and there's a there's a suffering uh, of of keeping it in that kind of is very it can cause a lot of chaos inside of a person you know and like for me like having maybe a, a some kind of sexual sin even can even make it worse because you know the 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 bible seems to be uh very like uh hard on that kind of thing you know um uh defiling your temple and if you defile your temple and 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 then for some reason it seems that the belief was that once you violate your temple you're no longer the temple but The crazy thing was that in the in the in the book of Corinthians, when he says that, when he talks about you're the temple, he's speaking to people that are actually uh, fornicators, according to the Bible. So they're like he's calling them the temple. He's he's saying you're in fornication and you're the temple. And that coexisted, that phenomenon coexisted together. So a lot of people are suffering from a a misunderstanding or from a extreme view about grace meaning they're super liberal or an extreme view of works where they're super conservative and so um, the conservatism leads to us not being open and thinking we know so there's a there's a this interesting confidence that kind of builds up in people where they think they have the truth and other people don't and we've talked about this before that truth is 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 is, is transcendent of what human beings can understand you know, because if you take truth, you're not just looking at one element of the world. Where like there's a physical earth, right? Like in science and all that, um, um, it's multidimensional. You know what I mean? And so if we include space, right, we include this idea of the infinite. And if you cannot conceptualize the infinite, therefore, because you are in a finite state, then in some weird way, like, you know, it's 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 a tr- it's a true statement to say that nobody really has truth. You can only pursue the truth and pursue the truth to the extent that your finite mind is able to conceptualize it. And obviously, like if you're a Christian, you believe that God gave you a level of ability to conceptualize truth to the extent that's necessary for your finite existence. If that makes sense. So God gave you enough truth to help you um, regulate your life here in this life, right, in this actual physical life. And so then you believe in the transcendent of eternity and being with God and, and and because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, you can be with God, right? And, um, and so what people do is say, well, you can be with God um, eternally and you're eternally secure and you can't lose your salvation, right? And then some people say, well, you can lose your salvation. And then when you do bad, you feel like you lost your salvation, even if you believe you're eternally secure in some sense. So if maybe you have a mental ascendant okay you know you're saved forever and then you do enough wrong and you feel like unhinged unhooked from that salvation and this seems to be a very uh uh, traumatic thing for people when they go through this you know what i mean and i'm sure that god understands this and 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 people say well this is just the gospel and people are going to have to deal with it and that seems to be a very uh uh that seems to be a perspective that lacks a lot of empathy you know what i mean to say something like that and you have people that preach like that and talk like that you know and i told you like this this podcast is called metanoia metanoia is the greek word for the english word repent so the the basis of the word repent is based on a greek understanding of uh, metanoia metanoia means meta means to change and noia is your thoughts change of thoughts so um when the bible talks about repentance um you never see it say repent of, of your sin um in the sense of except in the old testament. Um in the new testament, you don't hear that kind of verbiage used. Your repentance is um your belief in Christ. And so that's the center point. So if you're a Christian, you your repentance isn't based on individual uh repentance of individual sins. It's 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 a it's a root source issue. It's like, well, you're not connected to Jesus and you're not connected to the unlimited forgiveness and grace, and so therefore, um, you're you you. It's easy to fall into temptation. You know what I mean. It's like um, being in a relationship, and then your partner leaves town and um, goes out of town, and then you have opportunities of temptation because you're alone, right? Maybe uh, a, a husband and, and his wife leaves, and or, or maybe he leaves and he goes out of town and he's in another city, and the opportunity of tem- that space, you know, away can definitely be a grounds for temptation sometimes right and so um when you look at uh relationships that seems to be a great indicator of how this might be properly understood because at the end of the day like um we kind of see like things like well people who don't uh people who live together before they're married seem to have a higher divorce rate so they get married after they live together and that can be easily explained. I mean, you can talk about it in just a practical way. It's like, like, you know, you you got to see how someone was before you made a commitment, right? So it's like, well, then, uh, and then you didn't have to make that lifelong commitment. You made a commitment of some sort. So it's not like an, a, a transcendent commitment that no matter what happens, we're going to figure this out, right? It's just a commitment of like, yeah, I love you and we'll work this out. And it's like very uh, casual in a sense. And that seems to be how, you know, people that maybe don't, um, think it's, ne- it's necessary to be, be married, um, kind of look at things. And so it, it it's it's interesting, you know what I mean? Because you, you can't make a lifelong commitment and then go back on it. But if you do, that's called divorce. And so that seems to be interesting how all that plays out, you know, because our relationship with God is, it's likened to a marriage, um, you know, uh, love your wife like Christ loves the church. And so it's a, the, the higher principles that Christ loves the church, like a marriage. And then you have another relational aspect of God being the being our father. And so we're his children. And so you can kind of use those parallels to see um, um, how God actually deals with salvation and how God deals with people. Um, And so you 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 have a lot of people that actually um, from the work side that actually violate these the rules of relationship, the rules of engagement for a marriage. This is forever. Right. This is. And so the grace people are like, well, this is forever, so this is eternal security. And then the works people are like, well, people divorce, so therefore, like, it's not forever, so it falls apart. So that if you do bad, then uh, your marriage will fall apart, and it will result in divorce, and so you didn't do enough good, and therefore you deserve bad, right? So, you know, grace deals with suffering, is that as you suffer, God will give you the strength, you know what I mean, in spite of your failures, in spite of of you deserving help god will give it to you work says well if you do good enough you um you can help avoid suffering and and if you're suffering it's more often time that you've done something wrong and that's kind of what happened with job in the story of job in the old testament where they were like well you're suffering because you did something wrong right and so people are people are tortured by this paradox and this isn't this is a, a disastrous paradox this paradox um between denominations destroys people and so 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 this is why i think you can kind of see like a, a casual approach to coming to church and listening to the word from a pulpit these days where it's not really taken as serious anymore and it's not taken with kind of any reverence um because it's like there's too much confusion about what's right and what's wrong you know you look at something like luke nine twenty three. if any man desire to come after me let him deny this is jesus words let him deny himself take up his cross come after me right so uh, a, a lot of wor- the works people will take this verse and look at like okay well yeah it means like you know you're gonna have to work hard you're gonna have to make sacrifices you know what i mean you're gonna have to uh, uh i remember once hearing your preacher saying well you know like this is a verse that talks about like what you're gonna have to sacrifice for god and and when you look at it, it's like, well, that, that's not what the, the, the cross is about. The cross was never about what, what Jesus had to sacrifice for God. It was his sacrifice for mankind. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's, I'm going to embrace the worst suffering in the, in the existence of mankind, being the best man suffering, the worst fate of all suffering It's the highest level of suffering for the greatest man. And I'm gonna do that so that I can show you that even 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 good people suffer, you know, and and that was proven in the story of Job as well. We've talked about that. I think maybe in the other podcasts before. Is it like that's also true? So, um, you you get into things like being a doer of the word, and then, uh, you know, being a, uh, or are like being a doer of the word, and if you're not a doer of the word, and maybe you're not saved, and then you get into concepts of being a doer of of grace you know what i mean so if we go to james i'm actually going to use some scriptures today really to help navigate this and so i'm going to go to the book of james uh chapter one and we'll start at verse 22 and i'll kind of read real quick it says for behold for he beholdeth himself and go his way um sorry 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 22 but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves So he's saying there's some kind of deception here. But here's the problem. When you go back to verse one, it says um, we need to understand the context of the book. James says he's a servant of God, verse one, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this book is to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren. So when he says my brethren, a lot of people are going to be like, well, my brethren, like he's talking about his Jewish brethren. You know what I mean? So we don't know. Maybe it's referring to an absolute Jewish person who is considering being a Christian, who is considering converting to the faith. It could be just to a Jewish a Jewish Christian in general, um, or it could be to a Jew who isn't actually saved yet. But when we kind of read through the verses, we can kind of see that there's a clarity that this person does have an understanding of Jesus. But the problem is, is that this Jewish person, this legalistic person, doesn't actually understand what it means to have the cross in their life. And so they kind of go bonkers. So instead of like, um, like still continuing to like follow like the goodness of the law in the sense that they would still do good. They kind of became, well, we have this grace and we're forgiven and this freedom and they kind of go crazy with it. And they end up just treating people poorly. Um, and that's why he talks about the, 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 you know, good religion is this is to, you know, is to help the orphans and the widows and, and to visit the fatherless, right? And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Like, so he's really trying to speak to these very, like... Because these people are falling into sin because of legalism. So here, let me explain this to you. So they were law-abiding Jews. They convert to Christianity. And they think grace is a freedom to just be however you want. So they're like, well, since grace is setting us free from the law there's no law you know there's no we're free we can do whatever we want and so in turn they become bad people they become bad people and so because they're measuring like jesus sacrifice as a means to behave and live however you want they are taking the place of God in the conversation and that's usually what legalistic people do is they play the role of God right and they measure well if that paid everything then I don't have to do anything that's a legalistic mentality as well a lot of people think legalism is just the hypocrites you see where they tell you where they preach to you and tell you what to do and then they themselves don't do it right no there's there's other kinds of legalism and this is a unique kind but it does exist and it comes with people who are kind of knowledgeable in religion and this is a problem because what what does it do? It, it People look at this and if they don't know any better, they're going to just be like, well, okay, grace gives me, I can be a Christian and I can kind of just do whatever I want. Right. And so let's keep reading. And he says, um, for if any be hear of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and go his way and straightway forget what manner of man he was. So. If you notice here, it's actually referring to identity, so he's saying this man a man a man who who doesn't like live out the word the goodness of what the the Bible says a man should be, like as far as character right and and, and, and being a you know being a reflection of christ right um that kind of person is is the kind of person that looks in a mirror and forgets how he looks, it's like almost kind of insanity, right it's like well, you forgot how you looked, so you have no it's almost like you have no memory, right? And so if you have no memory of who you are, right? Well, that's the, that's the interesting. It's like, well, who am I, right? So we go back to this relationship concept real quick and we're like thinking about, uh, um, well, let's just say we're using the relationship of a father and a son, right? And God is the father and I'm the son. And it's like, well, it's like me saying, well, I forgot that I'm his son. I forgot that I'm my father's son. It's like, well, how do you forget that? Like, that's something that seems to be a given, right? Once you're born into the world and you spend enough time with your father, you understand who your father is. And that's it. And it's like, well, he's saying that people who hear the word and don't do it are like people who kind of have this level of insanity where they're like, whoa, like, they don't even know who they are. They lost their identity. So it seems to be that like, I'm not your son, right? So then people are saying like, well, he's saying that these people who are not able to produce good character seem to be people who forget who they are, people who struggle with identity, right? And so identity is important because it's like, well, if I know I'm my father's son, then I know that when I go through something, I always have my father, right? So that my identity helps me regulate how I should live and exist in this world having a strong sense of identity is actually one of a a strong indication of success, right? And if you have, you know, a double parent home seem to have more successful kids because those kids often have the identity that, well, I'm my father and mother's child. And I mean, they won't let me fail. And so I'm not going to fail and I'm going to make it work because my parents will help me make it work, even if I can't make it work myself, right? So there's this identity that being attached to something that has more power than you or more resource than you. Um seems to be helpful for people um, when they when we're talking about character when we're talking about a person being able to live out what it is that God is asking you know and it's like well I trust my parents you know I trust my I trust my father and what he says and that it's the right thing it's the right way to to be because it leads to good results and so like an example would be like marriage you know it's like well if God says marriage is the right way and then you go into like statistics and you see that people who live together before they're married have a higher divorce rate it's like wow that seems to be like that God's way is obviously um a way that almost promotes a, a better sense of mental health because other types of relationships and I'm not negating what anyone's experiences and but if we're from a Christian perspective you know there is a there is a certain level of like well certain relationships we as Christians don't acknowledge and that's and that's and that's not for me to be condemning to anybody but here's the reality if you don't believe this then it doesn't even matter but if you believe this then we can talk right and then we have to kind of navigate okay well what does that look like right and so that's not what this talk is about per se but if someone decides to live in a different kind of relationship than what the bible holds as the 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 prime of of relationship which is marriage then um that's something they will have to deal with within themselves and whatever their belief system is. Right. But according to, from a Christian perspective, marriage is, 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 is the proper way to, um, engage, you know, and, and even, you know, Christian marriages are falling apart in divorce. And I think a lot of it has to do with this actually, because there's this, there's this foundation that's kind of faulty. There's this, there's this trauma that's coming from the pulpits because it's unclear, if this religion is a religion of works or a religion of grace, you know, and so you look at stuff like this and it's like, well, you know, he says in verse 25, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So he's, he's basically using kind of just a basic logic, like if you heard something, like you know it. And so if you know it, then and, and it's it's the right thing to do, then you should do it. You know, you shouldn't just hear it and then be like, well, and then say it's right and then not follow through with it. Right. In verse 27, uh, he says, pure religion, pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this to visit the fatherless, the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So he even gives us an example like, well, you know, it's been demonstrated, you know, by Jesus himself that helping people is important and if you're not helping people you're not you're oftentimes living in a self-centered world and that self-centered world is wrapped around the fact that it's the focus is on you pretty much right so if you're still struggling with where you stand with your salvation and you don't know your identity he, it almost seems that even james is kind of a little bit in in an indirect way leaning towards, okay, there has to be a proper foundation and it has to be a secure foundation, right? So if you think of a marriage and you're kind of like, well, a marriage is like, well, uh, there's a commitment, there's a covenant, right? There's uh, there's vows um, and it's for life. And so if, if, if our relationship with God is likened to a marriage and then it's like, well, that seems to also give an idea of um, that that allegory is pointing towards that we are married to Christ in the same way that we are supposed to marry here on earth with a spouse with that level of commitment with that level of and the thing is is that he's the perfect groom though that's the difference is he's not full of fault so he's he's always going to be there so if you get married to Christ let's just say that you repent of the sin of rejecting Christ. Right. And, um, and you embrace him as the savior and, um, you're baptized and you're buried with him in baptism, like the Bible says, and you enter into this relationship, you can't leave. And people say, well, you can become a reprobate. Well, that's up for debate because oftentimes when you look at the story like Ananias and Sapphira, there's no clear evidence that they're believers and there's no clear evidence that they're not, but their actions show that obviously they don't have an identity with Christianity they're actually in opposition to it by stealing from the church so then you can kind of see by the actions there that those are not believers you don't you can use biblical logic that way and help navigate through stories and people say well, well they're the believers and look at them they drop dead it's like well no are they are, are they are they saved are they in that eternal because if they're in that eternal in that eternal in that relationship where let's just say they're eternally secure and then like well they drop dead it's like well you know did you ever see jesus you know make people drop dead well no because that's jesus is god's will in action his it's god's will towards man so if jesus is always healing and he's actually instead resurrecting the dead then we know that that's not proper if that person is a believer so we can't take a works approach when we look at that kind of stuff because it's important to understand that everything has to be cohesive coherent it's either true or it's a lie or it's insanity and it can't be insanity because it's moral you can't say something that's moral is insane something that's moral is good it's helpful it brings more the the ideals that jesus demonstrated through his character actually brought more mental health brought more help brought more love brought more peace brought more joy brought more uh, abundance of life brought more quality of life right so it's interesting how people kind of navigate this and i'm not against the work side per se but at the same time i'm kind of understanding here wait a minute like i've understood this for quite a while that works is seems to be the works mentality seems to be torturous because you do good and and then you fell at somewhere along the line in your life and once you fell and if you, you fell hard enough then it's like well then god is you know done with you and you're done with god because it's like well that's too far that's too far down the pit right and so kind of going into james 2 You even have stuff that says that is said like this in James 2 19, where he says, Um, well, let's see, I think it's uh James two nineteen through twenty-five. So we'll go there. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And so here he's actually kind of separating um belief. And he's saying, Well, even demons believe. So it's like, well, belief isn't they believe they believe in a certain belief it's a mental ascent so they have the idea right the idea there there's a one god and then if you go back to 17 he says even so faith if it has not works it's dead being alone yea a man may say thou is faith and i have works show me thy faith without thy works and i will show thee my faith by my works you believe in one god you do well but the devils also believe but will thou know O vain man that faith without works is dead was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? See thou how faith wrought his works and by works was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And for and he was called a friend of God. You see then how that, how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. And so remember, this isn't to traditional Christian believers. This is to the 12 tribes so you cannot just throw this to any christian so here's an improper understanding of the book of james which is used for most works based denominations of christianity obviously we have to be good but how we achieve that seems to be the question like the the thing in question it seems to be the most ambiguous thing right because it's either straight out works or you just do what you're told right in no obedience and a lot of people preach like that. And well, that's not really what the Bible teaches, because if we go to Romans, which we're going to go to in a minute, you're going to see it says something completely different than what you read here. But the book of Romans is a, a different context. So um, you see here, he says, Abraham, our father, was justified by works. Well, how, what, what do you mean? It, that never happened. He was never justified by works, but it says it here that it is. So I'm not contradicting the Bible per se, but I'm trying to say that maybe how we're seeing this is wrong. Abraham was made right with God originally by faith in something that was not tangible. He believed in something that was not tangible. God pointed to the stars. And in that same chapter, in chapter 15 of Genesis, it says that he was, that he believed God and it wasn't accounted to him for righteousness. So God, and, and what was that star? And it's the Hebrew word, Kovab, it's illustrious prince. And so from a Christian perspective, we take that star and it's Jesus so abraham believed in jesus and he was right with god but then if you see it here was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son upon the altar you see how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect here's the problem this is this is a problem because these are two separate time frames when he offered isaac was way 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 after original promise so it took abraham almost close to 40 years to be um to prove for, for from what james is saying it took abraham 40 years 40 actual years to produce this level of to produce this level of faith that he would offer his own son as god was asking that didn't happen that didn't happen right when he believed he had to have his son his son had to grow up and he had to fall in love with his son and love his son as a father would a son and and to the point where that love was so great where god was like well let's see if you're willing to give it up for me and it proved that his faith that's what james is saying is that he proved that his faith ended up at some point having works and people say well a lot of you know i talked to some conservative christians about this and they're like well no 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 like you're you're just kind of reading into it like well no it's using the same story and it says here at the bottom and the scripture was fulfilled which said abraham believed god so it was fulfilled when he got his when when he was when he demonstrated outstanding obedience to god it was a byproduct of the security he had that he had a covenant with god and that covenant was an eternal covenant eternal means never changing it doesn't stop, and Christianity is based off Abraham, not the Law of Moses. So a lot of these works-based people that tell you, "Well, you got to do this to be saved," and that you know, you know, and if you if you fall, it's like, no, look it. If you sin, here's the thing, and you're going to have to take this into consideration. I could be wrong about all this. I don't. I don't completely know. I'm not completely sure. I'm still searching. You know, but it seems to me that when you are a person who is secure. You demonstrate good character. Any relationship where the husband and wife are secure in the relationship, they have better character towards each other. If it's insecure, if I do wrong in in, in, in that relationship, and if I'm always being threatened, well, I'm going to leave because you did wrong. Well, that's actually like psychologically traumatic to put someone through, through commitment and then to rob them of it, to put someone through commitment and rob them of it. That's legalism at its core. That's religiousness at its core. That's why we are dealing with the world saying Christianity sucks and, and it and it and it's it's not helpful and it's detrimental to your mental health and, and it because of this it can be. Because then you also have the other extreme where people are full of grace and they're like, Well, you can just kind of do whatever you want because you're saved, you know, you're secure. But that doesn't make any sense because secure people, in the allegory of relationship, whether that's marriage or whether that's father and son, or father and daughter, is, is it when we feel secure we act better. So it seems that the doctrine of eternal security kind of has a hand up on works, because it actually provides a security. But people, and the devil are often that's why you know the the thief comes but to steal kill and destroy and and he wants to steal that from you the security right so maybe that's right maybe maybe in order to be eternally secure to be eternally secure means good character and what if that was the truth then this whole time us making people insecure about their salvation is actually us preaching the gospel incorrectly you know it's like saying oh well that guy had like a i saw him doing this i saw him doing that you know had a cigarette and he's not saved you know your kid needs to get right with god so well what like when when did you come up with that like where did you derive that from what underlying principle in the bible am i saying that it's right obviously taking care of your body is the most mentally healthy thing for you because when you feed your body nutrients you know i've done personal training and i've helped people with nutrition before and things like that and the people who who follow the programs often feel a thousand times better when they eat better right so it's like it's interesting that people so like you know i was talking about health so obviously the health part is like well it, it it's just common sense right not not to smoke specifically like cigarettes and things like that right because you know the smoke and, and the cancer and all that and we've learned we've learned it's, it's it's bad for you it's not good for you now will that have a measure on your salvation no but but will that diminish your quality of life yes so when you go back to adam and eve in the garden you notice physical suffering is is the byproduct of the Sin entering the world sin entering the world right and so the only way to for god to fix that is well i can't reduce the suffering because you already let it enter the world but what i can do is find a way to maintain a relationship with you and so man tries to cover himself they sew up big leaves because they feel ashamed and that shame comes with working the ground and women bearing children and suffering to bear children and things like that. And so there's suffering that comes as a result of sin. So I always kind of told people like in, in just my experience as a pastor and minister in the past, it was like that you, you're going to suffer because of your sin. But I don't think that that takes away your salvation. And you're like, well, here's a verse and there's a verse. And like, Give me all the verses you want. I'm going to show you something interesting right now. And I'm not here to say that I'm right and you're wrong. or You're right and I'm wrong. I'm just here to challenge you with a clear understanding of this. Because Christianity, from a biblical perspective, you can't really argue this, is based on Abraham. And Abraham Abraham supersedes Moses. So that's why Jesus comes under Abraham. The Bible says that, specifically in the book of Romans. So let's go there real quick. Uh, Romans, 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 Romans. Uh, romans Sorry. just making sure i have some notes but I'm, it's just kind of a guide it's not really um because I, I i like to do this as i go so i'm like looking at stuff as i'm talking and kind of like working through it with you guys um let's go back to romans three twenty two. okay let's go to romans three twenty two. so and it'll say this even the righteousness of god which is by faith of jesus christ unto unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god so saying all have sinned all come short and there's a faith the faith of jesus christ is is given for everybody okay verse 24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ so because what jesus did on the cross we're legally justified we have standing with god if we believe In the sacrifice of the cross, because the sacrifice is like saying, hey, I acknowledge the payment was made for my sin. Right. So therefore, we are justified. We're right with God. Twenty five. Whom God has set forth to be propitiation through faith in his blood. So how is how how does God fix our sin problem? Because our sin problem is what prohibits us from having a marriage with him. Right. So it's like we have issues and we can't get married to God until we deal with this issue right and this issue is, is sin as a noun not as a verb sin as a noun so the, the sin identity okay and that's why it's important when you read the book of james to kind of take that identity thing into consideration it's like, well, it's like well willful sinfulness within the confines of christianity is an identity problem not a salvation problem an identity problem So a a person is not properly identifying who they are in relation to God. They're not understanding that it's a marriage, you know, and that God knows best. And they don't believe that God knows best because they see God as they see another person with frailty. And the idea is that maybe he doesn't know what's best. Maybe I know what's better. And so I'm going to do what I want to do. And then therefore you do what you want to do. And because it's technically sin, according to the Bible, you suffer more. And then you come back and you try to fix it. And then you go through the same thing again and again. And this is torture. This is the most torturous thing I've ever experienced in Christianity. And I've seen many people suffer from this and not even know what it is. It's a it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. So let's keep reading. We're going to read um, through chapter four. So you gotta understand when Romans is written, it's it's not broken down in chapters and verses the way it is in english that helps us that help them map it out but in the original language the biblical koine greek there is no breaking so that it's all fluid so chapter three and four are together so he said verse 26 to declare i say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in jesus where is boasting then it is excluded by what law Of works nay but by the law of faith so the law of faith actually excludes um using the law to say i'm better than somebody else so nobody's better nobody's worse all are sinners right so everybody is equal in the eyes of god it's it's actually the most egalitarian statement i think (laughs) that's made here when it comes to like jews and gentiles being you know on even playing everyone's on even playing because we're all sinners Um, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So a man is actually right with God. Okay, that's what justified means. Without the deeds of the law. What does that mean? A man is justified. This is not just the, the, the ceremonial law. This is law, the law of Moses Man is right with God without the deeds of the law. There's no plainer statement in all of the Bible about this than this. You cannot be right with God because you are following the law and have good character. You're not right with God because of that. But people talk and act and live like it. Well, you know, I follow more of it than you and, you know, that kind of attitude. And that's what legalism is that's what that's what the problem in christianity is we're suffering from this is that people don't have a proper understanding of all this and therefore we conclude a man that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law is he the god of the jews only is he not also of the gentiles yes of the gentiles also seeing it is one god which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith so the he'll justify the circumcision which is the Jews by faith and he'll and he'll justify the uncircumcised through faith okay that's important to know is it he justifies both whether you are a law abiding Jew or whether you are a uncircumcised um um gentile meaning you're not you don't have the covenant of 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 Abraham you're still able to access it so then do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yes, we established the law. So established the law, what does that mean, right? That's after the fact, though. Understand that. It's not. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father as pertained to the flesh has found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something the glory of, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God. So hold on, let me stop there. For if Abraham were justified by works. So if he was right with God on the basis of the good that he did. On the basis of having good character. Understand, he didn't have the law of Moses. There's That, that says so much. If you have any understanding of the Bible, you know that that says a lot. You have to go back and reread these stories and kind of reconfigure your faith. Because he's justified not by works. Because then if he was, he would have something to glory about. He could say, well, I've done more works than you and I'm right with God because I did all these things. And he says, but not before God. So when we do works, works are are, um, not not to justify whether or not we're saved, okay? That's what it seems to me. It's not to justify whether or not we're saved. Works are to show that the salvation we have is, in fact, a byproduct of the relationship that we have, that we're in the proper identity. Good works mean that we know our identity. And if you don't know your identity, you cannot produce good works. If you don't understand the security that you have, so like literally you can only establish the law on the security of grace. And it's an eternal security. It seems to be that. For God so loved the world, but God so loved the world. John 3.16. You know, he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life is everlasting life. That's a promise. So if you're saved, you have everlasting life. Now, separate that. Now let's talk about works. That's the conversation we're having. But the problem is, is that we make people question whether or not they're saved. Therefore, the insecurity of salvation breeds what problem? An identity crisis. And that identity crisis creates what we understand as religious trauma. So Christian religious trauma happens. The structure of religious trauma for a Christian is this. This is the foundation. Is misunderstanding repentance, misunderstanding the, the the ideas about confession, misunderstanding Um. Works in grace, and not being able to properly read things in proper context, and it's it's it just goes so deep, you know. And so, you can see someone like, um, you know, Cain and Abel. You know, Abel suffered because of Cain's sin, and the flood, the sin of humanity. You know, humanity suffered because their own sins. Adam and Eve, they suffered because of their own sins. They physically suffered, but they never were taken out. Like uh, Cain, it's a different story because he didn't offer right, but um, you know, the people who made mistakes were never taken away from their promise. Because what was established first was the covenant. What was established first was the relationship. So God said, let's let's get this relationship right first. Okay, I'm your father. You're my son. Nothing can separate you. No one can take you out of my hand. No one can pluck you. We good? Okay, good. Now, you have some problems. <laughs> you have some bad character that needs working on. So that's what we're here for. So remember, you're saved. You're eternally secure. Now let's work on them. So this seems to be the way it is. And so what is the necessity for baptism well the baptism is the circumcision is the is the is the universal circumcision so it's like well you know how do you how do you associate with this you know i'm I'm baptized well where's baptism come from it comes from the the mikvah the, the the washing of hands you know the 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 the, the baptism of disciples under rabbis, you know, it's like, well, you you, you served under a rabbi, you're you're baptized. You're, you're just the same way John the Baptist, right? They were baptized in the baptism of John, and they still had to be rebaptized. Once the the dispensation of grace started, once you know Christianity and the church came into full effect, because the gospels are written under the Old Testament, so they that's why they still have to be baptized. So once Jesus dies, is buried, resurrected, and then he ascends into heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit falls. That's when the church starts. So from there, everything else, how it was done, is completely different now. Moving forward. So moving forward, we see here that he's saying that it's gonna be done the way it was done with Abraham moving forward. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's gonna he's gonna make sure it's done the way it was done with Abraham moving forward. And that's important to know. Now, going, let's keep reading. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if you work, the reward is of debt because you owe, not of grace. But to him that worketh not, but believe on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Do you see that there? That, the, that a person's faith without their good works, their faith in what, though? In what Jesus did on the cross? Well, what did he do on the cross and, and why did he do it? He did it so that. He could pay for our sin so that we can have an entrance way into a relationship with God, a covenant, the same way Abraham Abraham had, and that's likened to a marriage. Okay, and this is why God hates divorce, right? So you think about it, it's like, well, God hates divorce. Well, why does God hate divorce? Because divorce divorce is is indicative of uncertainty in the foundation of the relationship. Is that the relationship had problems from the beginning? It was it was if you divorced, the relationship had problems from the beginning that you didn't know about, that you didn't do enough uh homework on your partner to understand. And so you 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 joined in and you made this lifelong commitment and and then you divorced and then you realized the whole time there was this uncertainty, right? There was no security. You thought there was security and then your whole world was uh, changed in a day. Let's move to Romans four twelve through twenty five. Let's keep reading this stuff. It seems interesting. Oh yeah, twelve to twenty five. So it says, and the father of the circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but also who walk in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had, Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised, for the promise. So the he, what it's saying is the promise was made when he was uncircumcised. That's why it's not just to the Jews; it's also to the Gentile. Um, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. So there was no, Abraham didn't have to do the law to be saved. Abraham didn't have to do the law to, to, it was something that God was going to do no matter what happened. But through the righteousness of faith. So once Abraham believed and was secure in his relationship and covenant with God, and he followed through by showing circumcision, which for us as Christians is baptism, then it was done the relationship settled there's no question about the relationship now it's like well how should this person live well this person should live in perpetuity forever with what god says is the right thing and when the person doesn't do that then the person should in turn is where we understand right repent change their mind reassociate themselves with the identity that it reestablish the security they that they that they obviously don't have because sinfulness from a christian comes from the lack of security and salvation and if you don't believe that i am sorry but that is the the, the most true thing i know in the bible personally speaking you know studying greek hebrew and and all of that stuff so let's keep this going okay we're on some good time here so Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 16. Let's keep going. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's see. uh, Um, Romans 4, 25. Let's see. Let's go to 5. Okay. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom... Also, we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Also, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience, experience and experience hope. And hope makes not not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For we were yet for when we were yet without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. So Christ died for the ungodly. So Christ paid for sin when he knew we were ungodly okay for scarcely for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die but god commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him the wrath of the wrath is the eternal consequence of our sin right For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So because he's resurrected and he lives in us, the life of of the spirit of God that's in us will help us to be saved. Keep us safe. Keep us walking where we aren't plucked out of his hands. Right. So you can kind of see the trueness of a lot of this stuff. So uh, verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that not had sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him was who was to come because what he's saying is that Adam was this um being who wasn't tarnished by sin so he's saying yet yeah, we sinned like Adam but Adam's transgression sent all of humanity into 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 chaos right so it's like you can't sin like that again but he's saying because Adam was a figure of Jesus. So Jesus and Adam are kind of like Jesus considered the second Adam. He comes again so that because Adam sinned, we're all sinners because Jesus died for our sin and he was righteous. We become righteous in him. And it's a matter of working that, working from that security that my Lord, my father is righteous. He gives me guidance on how that's why we're the bride in the relationship. Right. He gives me the guidance and you always see this in relationships it's a known thing i'm not saying anything where you know women are re- always curious on how men do things and why they do them and, and, and when they realize some of these men are just complete numbskulls obviously they stop doing that but initially they give most men the benefit of the doubt right and so that's kind of how we are it's like well but god's not like how men are he doesn't have the faults that they have so that security is there so that when he tells us to do something it's like well that that is completely the right thing it's not like you know, uh, like a human relationship between a husband and a wife, right? If that makes sense. I mean, and I and I really hope it does. So let's keep going here and um, let's make sure I'm on track here. Let's kind of go through, let's get to Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live, in, live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into His death, that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. First Corinthians 15, one through four. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you are, which you have also received, and wherein you stand, by which you are also saved. So here's the gospel. This is what the Bible says the gospel is. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So the death, burial and resurrection are actually what the gospel is. Right. And so it says here, look at this. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. So baptism is, a, is kind of like an association. Baptism, baptism seems to be an association with his death, right? And then we're also raised up. And we should walk in newness of life the same way we die with him. So it's like this initial part of being baptized is a part of the ceremony of getting married to God. And that's probably the weirdest way to see it, because obviously we have these weird ideas, these humanistic ideas and finite ideas about marriage. But it seems to be the preceding truth before actual marriage is that God's design is that man have a, a, a marriage relationship with him that is forever and eternal and unending so that, that the man himself okay, can have the utmost. Because look at God dealt with Adam after his sin, meaning that God showed to Adam, I'm still here. And so from there, Adam was able to reconcile that in himself and also follow through with his part in, you know, multiplying and doing what God asked of him as far as being the first man. Right. So. And, and it seems that if you go back to some of the stuff in Romans, it's also a sign of salvation? If someone is a sign of salvation more, it seems a sign of salvation. Is that a person is also willing to suffer glory and glory in tribulation? Because the more secure a person is, the more capable of good they are. And so the gospel doesn't seem properly conceived by modern Christianity to me. The psychology of believing in eternal security seems to be true from a psychological perspective. But then you also even have enough people out here that are preaching some of this, right? But they also preach it. it, it, It's a miss as well, because what they do is they don't properly they don't properly teach and preach people how to associate works after the fact okay in what a lack of works does because think about it if a person believes they're not saved they're not saved that's Proverbs 23:7 as a man believeth in his heart uh, uh, as a man thinketh in his heart so is he right thinketh in his heart so that means the thoughts are in the heart that means they're they're connected to the emotions they're connected to the person's belief. So if a person doesn't believe they're saved, they're not. If a person believes they're eternally secure, they're eternally secure. But that genuine belief, to see that, to see that genuine belief, right? You have to see. You'll inevitably see good works from that person. You'll see change. You'll see goodness. You'll see uh, a willingness to suffer. They'll they'll glory in their tribulations. That's one of the signs that someone actually has. A hold of the gospel. Is they're not complaining about suffering. They're not murmuring. Like you look at look at the law. Look what the law did to the people. They murmured and complained when they suffered. It seems right with good mental health when we talk about eternal security. But people always will come back. Well, if you, you know, if you do this, well, if you do enough sin, well, if you do this, but if you do that, well, 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 it's, it doesn't work. I don't think. I think that's the problem. Is we're we're seeing it from this general concept of how we always saw it and no one is taking a bigger step back and looking at it is which what is what that's what i'm trying to do actually so marriage is supposed to be certainty right that that person in sickness and in health will always be there and so god likens our relationship with him to marriage so i think that's probably don't, it seems the only way to overcome religious trauma, because religious trauma is often caused by misunderstandings, is to get people associated with the proper truth of Christianity, which is the security. Any, and this goes for any denomination. I don't I don't I, I, I know a lot of people have different rules and stuff. And so there, there there's there's different rules within Christianity. and A lot of people have different ways of doing things. And, and, and the Bible does say in Revelations that there's going to be more people in heaven than than is ath- actually mathematically you're able to count. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe um, it's because of this. Maybe because we're misunderstanding this. But, um, and maybe I'm completely wrong. But I want to, I want to put this out there and I want to challenge people to think differently. You know? So, you know, um I had a relationship. I remember once, and it was a short relationship. It's like a few months, and I met this girl, and you, you know, I fell in love with her, and you know, at the time, what I thought was love, and which was partially infatuation, and you know, kind of having that trophy girl. You know, she's very, very pretty, very, very like beautiful eyes, and when you walk in a room, everybody looks at her, and it kind of like was an ego brush for me, right? But also, like, I did love her and I did care about her. I mean, I did have some ego attached to it, but it doesn't mean I was absent of love. Um, but it seemed to me that in that relationship, this was after I left, like, being a Christian and being a pastor. So I tried, I was still kind of in the middle, right? Like, of, like, how should I live my life? I don't know what to do. I don't know what what experiences should I have, right? So, um, and this was, like, before I even got into, like, alcohol and, and that stuff and, and kind of going down the drain for two years. But... I played God to her. I was like, well, I'm committed. Like for me, this is for life. For her, wasn't so much so. And it was like weird because like how she was treating me was like kind of like how I was treating God. It's like, well, I was trying to enter this secure relationship of like, you know, um, just where I provided all the security, like I'm not gonna cheat, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna, and I did that. And I honored her completely and thoroughly, probably the best I've ever been in a relationship like to a woman. And it was because I was like, you kind of utilizing my, my concepts of God to kind of like act towards her, you know what I mean? And so, um, it ended up being that like, she didn't connect with me in, in, in some weird way, you know, and it's like, she was using me for blessings, you know, she had no endurance for suffering. She was careless about me as a person you know i thought the carelessness was like a freedom i could be however i want in this relationship like see like she's receiving my love she's open and she's not questioning me but her lack of questioning was actually a detachment makes choices for herself and um not for the benefit of both of us you know what i mean didn't consider both of us and how things might affect both of us and so I was over here trying to give her this grace and she was just rejecting it, you know what I mean? She was rejecting the security I was providing, you know? And that's what some people who are in works are like, you know what I mean? I can liken people who who just focus completely on work seem to be that way. And the thing is, it's like the end result is that we have good character inevitably, right? That's, that's the end result. But how to get there is based on security, not insecurity. So if there's bad actions, right? That's kind of the point of a marriage It's like, well, We enter this relationship and you have bad things that make me want to run. I have bad things that make you want to run, but we don't run because we're committed for life. Do you see what I'm saying? It almost it's the most commonsensical thing I've ever like really come up with is as far as like the gospel and helping people navigate their Christian religious trauma. Because most Christian religious trauma is founded in the misunderstanding of this particular thing. And then it becomes surface level things like, you know, people fighting between each other, being unable to forgive, bitterness. And that's all human stuff, right? We're all going to deal with that forever. But that's why if that's going to be forever, then there has to be something that's a staple that's not movable. And that's our Christian faith. And righteousness by faith is the cross you know, and how you repent is not repenting for individual sins is repenting for not having not properly associating yourself with God through Jesus Christ. So we sin because we don't think that we're not living in this secure relationship. We are trusting that what God says is the right way to do things. And until we do that, we're going to struggle. It's going to be a nightmare. Christianity is a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare if you have a misunderstanding of the gospel, misunderstanding of grace and works, and misunderstanding of... And most of this is because of the preachers. Because the preachers aren't preaching it properly. They're not doing enough homework. They're they're listening to other preachers, regurgitating information. They don't have a real-life experience with this. You know, after, what, I'm 29 and I came into Christianity like 15. So it's like, what, 14 years, like... After 14 years, you know, in three years, a three-year hiatus almost, it's like God still loved me. I always felt like even when I was gone, he still loved me. I still, I, I was still in a relationship with him, but I was kind of like on, 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 I was destroying myself. I was wearing myself away, wasting my life. You know what I mean? And he was just like a good husband, just waiting until I come home. You know, there's even an Old Testament story, you know, where, you know, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head. I'm kind of overwhelmed with (laughs) a lot of this stuff right now in my head because I'm I'm trying not to deviate from the point. But um, uh, I think... uh, uh, No more, no more. uh, Let's see. I'm going to look it up real quick. (laughs) Hi right, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, hmm. I can't, sorry. Yeah, just for the sake of this lesson, I didn't actually do any kind of research on that one. So I'll probably use that for something later. But um, um, it's just a story about a man in the Bible who basically like, you know, he's married to a, you know so a, a basically like a girl prostitutes herself and or he's like sleeping around you know um committing adultery and he just still loves her and and god lets him um do this like god tells him to stay in the relationship pretty much you know what i mean and that's an example of how god is with his people he's always there and, and even in the old testament you can see it's like well all these these people are dying in the wilderness right and it's like well god is faithful well how's god faithful if these people are dying it's like well because he's always himself it's us that deviate <laughs> like that's that's the point right so anywho i hope this is helpful and i hope this can actually bring some um encouragement to people who kind of have a misunderstanding about this and if you don't understand something send me an email at msn.com. ncom would love to talk to you um and i think this is why uh christianity causes trauma to people and we gotta we gotta work on it we gotta be better as christians all right guys bye